morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. Steve Williamson here, and sitting across from me, Karen McClelland. And our guest today is Mayor Sandy Moriarty. So we're last uh, week we had another candidate for mayor, and this week we have Sandy as the current mayor here. Sandy, say hello. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday morning. <laughs> Happy Monday morning. Yeah, <laughs> a beautiful. It's gonna it's gonna be a trifle hot. Um, but um, I, you're running for mayor, and I wanted to read a quote. You've been how long have you been mayor now, Sandy? Uh, it's seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. So by the time this this term is up, it'll be eight. Of the people I know in Sedona, I know that you've lived here longer than anybody else I know. <laughs> uh, how long have you been here? I've been here fifty. Fifty five zero years. Oh my gosh, fifty years! You know, usually we have candidates who arrive in Sedona, and six months later they're running for mayor. You know, and I, I think that's a little bit the situation. All right, I want to read you a quote uh, from um, the. Uh, I got the wrong glasses on from the a newspaper of uh, whose preposterous editorials I don't want people to go and spend a lot of time reading. All right, so. So the, the question is to one of your opponents, um, why are you qualified to be mayor? And she says, for this election, the definition of being qualified means someone who is not part of the city council <laughs> for the past decade. So you don't need to know anything. I, I assume that my dog could run and he would be more qualified than, than you are. And uh, what, what do you have to say about that? Well, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think when you take on a job or say I'm going to try to take on a job, in this case the mayor's job, you really need to know something about what the job is and maybe more importantly what it isn't. And there's a lot to it, and, and government, understanding how government works is important if you're going to have that job and, and that sort of thing. So to say, that was, as you mentioned, it qualifies anybody, really, to run qualifies for qualifies absolutely uh, anybody, and, and if you read it, really, literally, almost any critter or anything it, that moves. It's further uh, to that. Another thing we hear a lot from that candidate and others is that we don't do anything for residents. And uh, that's a common theme right now. Why don't you address that? Because uh, from my point of view, and, and, and I read social media and stuff, do you do social media like next door? And right. The, what I hear on there is, is pretty much, I could say, appalling, the, the ignorance. And, you know, there, it's always this sort of same complaint, and then you knock it down, and then they come back. And, you know, the, you can say over, or somebody can say over a thousand times, Sedona can't really regulate ATVs, at least mm -hmm. certainly not easily. And then you get the same thing. Well, in Colorado, I was yeah. in Colorado, and Uray does this, or Hawaii does that. All, all sort of useless comparisons. 
right. um, because we're in Arizona, right? Yeah. Laws are different from state to state, and, and Arizona cities are one of the things that people don't recognize a lot is that cities were created by the state. And so this, the governor and the legislature can make rules about what cities can and can't do. And I know people get say they get tired of hearing about what we can't do, but it's just a fact that there are many things we can't do. And often it's a we, we talk about how we need more local control. And it's interesting that as much as we talk about how we want local control, when it comes to home rule, which amounts to local control, all of a sudden certain segment of the population seems to be dramatically against it because they think, Saying no to home rule would give us more control, which is which so, is. Sandy, you mentioned sort of the magic sense. word there. Um, I don't live inside the city, so mm-hmm. I've, I've followed the elections of the past years, but I haven't gone into real detail because it doesn't affect me because I live in an unincorporated part of Sedona. Right, right. Can you give us the sort of thirty-second um, discussion of what home rule is and what uh, what repealing it means? Yes, uh, I don't know if I can get it in 30 seconds, but... 31 seconds. It it goes back a long ways. That In the late 60s and 70s, a lot of uh, uh, residents in Arizona were experiencing high property taxes. Uh, There's no mention of sales taxes. Now, this information comes, by the way, from the Arizona Auditor General's website that I'm saying now. And so in... 1979-80, uh, they used got the guidelines from budgets in that year to change the Constitution and say, in 1980, they changed it to say, there are going to be spending limitations on all cities based on a, a, a budget from that year. And then that year is adjusted, and it's adjusted every year. The, the, uh, there's a state agency that computes it for what that will, would be with adding inflation and population changes in. And they calculate it for every city. And so, and then you can only increase your budget over that, what that base limit is by 2% or something like that a year. Well, any city that's growing is going to need more than that. And so the fact is that uh, there are about two-thirds of the 91 cities in Arizona that use home rule and the other and a quarter that use what's called a permanent base adjustment. So these are alternative spending limitations to that base budget. And it's necessary because you take in a, a lot of money and sell. most cities these days are dependent on sales tax. We aren't as dependent as we used to be on property tax. Sedona's never had a city property tax and lots of people still think that we do, but we do not. We've been repeating that for 11 years on air, Sandy. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, just... I have the feeling that it's gotten through because I don't see quite as many of these, I'm a taxpayer and blah, oh. blah, blah. I don't want you to build a swimming pool. You may not see it, but we see it in emails from, from the residents. And uh, a lot of people just don't realize, especially if they move here from somewhere else, they don't, they're not familiar with how that works in Arizona. And so home rule is one of the alternative spending limitations that cities can adopt uh, to, to not have to be bound by that state limit. And the other one is a permanent base adjustment, which adjusts, does, does just what it says it does, adjust your base to a, a permanent figure. So you get away from that 1980 
figure to start with, even if it's adjusted for inflation and population, it's not going to be enough to to keep up with what we're experiencing today. And then, of course, in the last few years, we had a worldwide pandemic thrown in, which pretty much created chaos and, and that kind of thing. And now we've got a high inflation right at this moment. So there are a lot of factors that enter into it. But but the fact is that that most cities now use some sort of alternate. And and then the uh, there's a video going around right now that is really deceptive about home rule. And and it, and it wants to use a one-time spending limitation every year. But a one-time spending limitation, <laughs> sorry, override, a one-time spending override is really supposed to be just what it's named, a one-time override for unusual circumstances that may arise that you have to spend a lot more than you anticipated. And it can be used uh, whether whether or not you have home rule or, P, or a PBA. So, so, But it's not intended to be used every year. And the video starts out calling it a one-time override, and then by the end of the video they're calling it the annual override. Because that's their their uh, idea of how it should be used annually, not meant to be used that way at all. Sedona has so many problems with traffic and and ATVs and short term rentals. Why would you want to reduce the government's ability to deal with these things? And and that's what would happen if you if you have some kind of really crude measures set by the state. The other thing is that Sedona is losing population a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you wouldn't get the boost that a city who is growing fast. And also, I, what I see is also Sedona has millions of visitors. And that's not part of the calculation of how much money you no. need. So it seems, it seems like a bad idea to start with. And it seems like a particularly bad idea for Sedona, given Sedona's situation. It, it definitely is. And so that's why we... And, and here's another thing that I want to emphasize. In 2018, which is you have to vote in home rule every four years, that's the way it works. Uh, and so in 2018, the last time we approved home rule, we set up afterwards a citizen committee, uh, residents of Sedona, to take a look at, well, maybe we should adopt a PBA instead of home rule. And we asked those residents to look at it, and it really was a citizen committee. This was not a a staff-dominated committee at all. It was was really residents. And they took a really hard look at it. They really dug in and and did their job really well. And they recommended, after all of that study, that we stick with home rule. So this is not something the council came up with. This was this was what you know those people were supposed to be ignoring, according to a lot of people that we ignore, and they don't have any input into our budget. And of course, we all of our meetings are open. We always have lots of opportunities for input by residents. They don't always take advantage of them. Typically, at our budget meetings, which run usually two full days, and in the past have gone even longer than that. We don't get many of the public attending those meetings. So when they say, oh, they don't pay any attention to us, they don't listen to us. And there's another thing that is, a, is interesting to note, that uh, we're accused constantly of not listening to people. And really what they mean, they don't mean listen, they mean agree. Do yeah. we agree with them? Yeah, that's clear. And, not and, listening to us means yeah. you don't agree with us. And, and so you and can't so, say you don't agree with us, and therefore you're doing something evil. You have to say yeah. you're not listening to us, yeah. which is it's, 
You understand the, we the listen logic all the time. of doing that, of yeah. changing that. that and, and in this particular case, when we took the uh, residents' committee to examine this question and give us a recommendation, and now we're following that recommendation. So we are listening, and we are, in this case, agreeing with that, with it, that recommendation. It looks to me, Sandy, and I, I can say it because I'm not a public official, is it looks to me like a lot of this comes from people who can't win elections. In other words, they act like the city council is this government entity imposed by some alien presence from yeah. outer space <laughs> and that it has nothing to do with the fact that <laughs> periodically uh, Sedona has what we call free and open elections and the free yeah. and open uh, election choose the city council. And the yes. fact that in many of those elections, I don't have any figures in front of me, it's not a, it's not a very big majority of eligible voters who vote. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Some some city council elections that get determined who wins or loses by a handful of votes. Yeah. It wasn't that ninety percent of the people who could vote voted. No, it's much. No. You know, it's it's often very low numbers that vote in city in city elections. They may vote for other ballot. You know, people, for, people forget, I think, voting their ballot that it's sometimes much more important what your city council is and what they're doing, or the the county or the state legislature than mm-hmm. who's president when it comes to things like traffic. Mm-hmm. I mean, now the county, you know, that's that's not an issue the president of the United States can do anything about. No. It's an issue that some level of government in Arizona that in many cases is going to be a combination of everybody, the city, yeah. the county, and the state, and other rules like 18, like the short-term rentals. That's the state of Arizona that decided yeah. that, so, and we forget that. When and, I look at those yeah. people, and I try to understand why they would be recommending such really bad ideas to Sedona. It looks to me like there are people who can't win an election because all you have to do is run for office. If you win, you at least you have your voice on the council. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to have a majority to get anything done. These are people with a deep resentment because they're the city council. In fact, the people of Sedona don't agree with them. And yet they're stirring up this whole thing now, and they're, they're trying to use Sedona's problem to – magnify those issues and i think they really are demonizing the city council Mm -hmm. they make it sound like the city council wasn't elected by the people of sedona Mm -hmm. like just weeks ago they act like the city council is closed off and and unavailable when every single thing that you do pretty much is is online you can can watch it you can go to any of the city council meetings and most of them you can speak at right yes um, I mean, there's rarely a time since I've been the mayor that I haven't taken public input at a meeting. On occasion, I'll limit it to two minutes instead of three, depending on how many people mm-hmm. there are. And then a lot of times we're criticized, well, you only give the residents two minutes to speak or three minutes to speak, and that's not enough compared to, well, run for election. Because because not only, uh, you know, the, the the people that are most critical are not the ones that are running. They're not running because they can't win. Yeah. 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 They're, they're not running because people really, most people in Sedona, not all people, of course, but most people in Sedona actually disagree with them. And what they're trying to do is build up this tremendous resentment against the city council for the fact that they can't win elections. Yeah. And they can't, in, in a lot of cases, they can't even run for election. And every few years they come up with a more personable candidate to run who makes things a little fluffy. And so it's not clear who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. But, Sandy, these, I, we've been here 20 years. Mm-hmm. And these, some of them are the same people who hated the city government back when it was quite conservative. Mm-hmm. They still they hated the city. They hated the Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. then. They hated the city council then. 
and they've done it for 20 years. Yeah. And the council changes, you know, on and on yeah. and on. Mm-hmm. A- yeah, the council's gone through a lot of changes. And almost everybody on the council, you look at the makeup of every council from the beginning. How many years has the city been incorporated now? Uh, since 19, January of 1988. Yeah. So yeah. it's 34 years yeah, I or moved something to, like that. So I live out in the village, but yeah. I watch that. And it seems to me I've known some of the people running for office over the years. And I've right. met others afterwards. They're just people who moved to Sedona. Yeah. Most of them have been retired, but they're just a, a, a cross-section of financial backgrounds and right. money. There's nobody is you know buying their seat on the city council because no, most of them no. don't, most of them have spend relatively small amounts of money for a few signs. Mm-hmm. You know, no one is spending millions of dollars to get elected to the, the, city, thing city, is council. the city council, and they yeah. are just people, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, they're just individuals who moved here and thought they had something to say, and they either get elected or they're not, but there's no secret group of rich people you know, it's not you know, it's not the Koch brothers or George Soros or some outside group of rich people, whatever your point of view is, who right. are recruiting council members. They're just people like all of us. But we so get charge. accused of corruption, yeah. and there's a the, lot of conspiracy right. theories Charges around. Of corruption. And, and and I'm not sure what it how what they mean by corruption. Well, what they what they they don't have a you know, they can't win an election, so yeah. they have to do something like yeah. charging corruption. And in 20 years, I have seen no corruption, <laughs> zero corruption on the city council. No. And it doesn't matter whether it's been conservatives or no. liberals or no. or Republicans no. or Democrat registered people. I've never seen any corruption. There isn't any corruption. No. You know, I think that, you know, that when people don't have a good argument, they reach for, for things like corruption. Right. And And I, you know, I what we're seeing is a lot of. Evidentless based evidence, non evidential based <laughs> charges, and can you do? You can't do anything about it except run for office, right? No, yeah, not really. Yeah, and so we we do have a lot of people who run for office and and don't have much of an idea of what really they can do. I don't hear many concrete proposals about we've done all the wrong things. They say, but what are the right things? And it's interesting when uh, some of the candidates uh, say, oh, well, then they, they mention a specific thing, and they don't even realize that we're already doing that thing. That's and, interesting. I've <laughs> seen that. I've got to there's, say I've There's seen several that. instances of that in the, in the mayor's race and outside the mayor's race in the council race. And, and it's just, it's, it's really interesting to say, okay, I'm going to vote for this person who doesn't even know what the city is already doing. They don't know where the city begins and ends. I mean, uh, one of the candidates supporting um, a highway through VOC, I'm sure you folks uh-huh. will love yeah. it down in VOC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and the last time it was tried, which when we first moved here, like it's 2004, oh. the residents along the proposed highway that would well, turn- the, the the county did. Re- there were, I mean, you were here. There mm-hmm. were multiple routes. They they put maps up yes, in public were, meetings with route there A, were, B, C, there D, were various and routes. almost all of those routes are. By of course, starting the village, almost all outside the city limits. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's, the, it's Yavapai it's, County it's, that would be spending the money to build the road, right. and, and then Yavapai money. County had never wanted to do yeah. it. And it's and expensive. even though we would be willing to, we've looked at it. It's yeah. not like we haven't looked at it. Yeah. You say well, the it's city would have had to pay quite a lot of those time. costs. All and and things. we would definitely contribute to it. But our last traffic study showed that there wouldn't be enough use to really. 
Now, I'm not so sure about that, but but the fact is yeah. we would be more than willing to contribute financially to these things. We, we aren't just not in a position to initiate something like that. And the residents, last time they wanted yep. to put a highway and cross uh, Verde Valley School Road, the residents were ferociously opposed to it down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, 20 30 years later, you're going to have even more militant opposition to a highway well, going by all those. The, and the county's response was sort of what the city does, and all levels of government. They say, "Here's an idea," mm-hmm. and it's you know, and the can the council, the city uh, county, basically said, "This is a controversial idea. We have limited funds. We're going to direct our limited funds to less controversial." Yeah. needs within yeah. the county and that's you know everybody the state the city everyone looks at that you know if you got nobody has unlimited funds to spend so no. you got to look at the at the things which the you know most good city council people would look at the majority of people in Sedona want want this let's see if we can do it you know, mm-hmm. and it may or may not be possible, but you, you know that's mm-hmm. that me, the desires me, of the voters come into any decision an elected official makes. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you: We we ask a, I asked a candidate last week for mayor, mm-hmm. one of your opponents, and I said, "What's what's your sense of the mood of Sedona now? Of the situation where where's Sedona at essentially, and what is the mood in the town?" In terms of where are we at, we're we've, we're doing many many things, and and this is the nature of city government. I like to say cities are the biggest multitaskers around. We have a lot of different jobs to do, and we're expected to do them all well. And it's not easy. It's not like the fire district was fo- focused on one thing, mm-hmm. or even the school district focused which on is one, focused on one, one thing. thing. We've got a, a multitude of things that we have to do, and, and do them well. So, so that just means that we always have a lot going on. We have a lot of projects. And as we push forward these projects, I don't care what it is we're doing. There's always someone who is against it. And very often there's more than one someone. (laughs) There's a lot of someones. And they're very vocal about it. And the the people who are the most vocal are always the opponents of something. You don't don't get, uh, you know, the people who, who think it's a good thing very often turning out and saying, yes, I like this idea. Sometimes you do, but not too often. And so those those people who oppose it are known often as NIMBYs, not in my backyard. And in recent years, there's been a movement to have YIMBYs, yes, in my backyard, but it hasn't really caught on that well. <laughs> we still don't hear very much from them. I think you're right. The, the energy is always with the opponent. So people, if they're in favor of something, it seems like it's going to happen. They don't come out. And, and, and especially if it affects them personally. That's when you really mm-hmm. hear from people, of course. And I understand that. We all understand it. And we're all, as as, as uh, your wife, Steve, likes to say, we're all NIMBYs at some yeah, point. That's right. Yeah, and, that's and right. Because and anything that's true. the city does, so many yeah. with, with roads, with traffic, is going to affect somebody. Right. If you build a new road, it's going to cut, you know, affect somebody's private property. Yeah. If you, you know, don't build a new road... And they and the or you, know, you don't build a parking lot. People park on the road, yeah. and either way, it affects some. It affects it, somebody. It does, and we've got and a it's project your job like to, that to balance out right now. We have the negatives and the positives. Like yeah, that. it's what's, the forest the road extension. What's the project? The forest road extension, which will put uptown residents who are trying to get to West Sedona in a position to come out without having to go through the two roundabouts that are there now. Mm-hmm. And it would be a direct access to 89A going west beyond the post office. Uh, so 
And that's obviously going to affect quite a number of par- parcels and, and, of private property. And because property. it goes right through, the extension goes through a subdivision that was created in the 1960s. So it was a subdivision that was just drawn with lot lines. They're not, they're irregular lot lines. There were no roads platted or anything like that. So we had to acquire property. And uh, it's a, it's been it's been a difficult situation. Is we are doing it. And yes, it's going to happen. We're starting construction now. And... It's going to provide an access route, not only for every day, but for emergencies, where is, as you know, we have only three ways in and out of Mm -hmm. Sedona, and they're all on state highways. So we can't just tell the state, we're going to do this on your highway. No, we have to work with them, which we do constantly, just as we work with all agencies constantly, like the Forest Service or the Park Service or whoever is involved, the counties, of course, and we're in two counties, remember, so that's, that's, that's interesting. It came up recently when we were looking at emergency management. It came up, it came out that Coconino County, one, a Coconino County official said, well, because Sedona is incorporated in Yavapai County, it's like, uh, no, <laughs> we're incorporated in both counties. But this is a county-level official that thought we weren't incorporated in their county. It's kind of astonishing that that would be the case. But So we work with them all on a regular basis, and ADOT certainly on a regular basis. So, And that's another thing people think we can do. Or we can tell the legislature what to do, and they'll do it. I <laughs> wish we could. That's really impossible. They're, they're <laughs> really hard to work with. The yeah. <laughs> we only yeah. vote for three representatives, a senator and two, two representatives in the House. And, and no, that's a small part of the state government. So even if we vote differently as we can for our representatives doesn't mean the whole state is going to go along with well, it. Well, social so. media is not a, a good place to, to find the truth, but there, um, somebody wrote that uh, they measured the time it takes from going, I think, from the trout farm down to into uh-huh. Sedona, and they found that yeah. the, the time has dropped a lot since the new roundabouts. It, it, it has. Stuff. Well, it's not just the roundabouts, it's the medians and the uh-huh. fence that goes down the middle. And and, and, and a lot of people didn't like that. Uptown, uptown residents aren't fond of it, a lot of them, because now they can't jaywalk when they're in uptown. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty I much no left-hand turns. It doesn't yeah. work very well, because yeah. jumping that fence is, is, yeah. is no. not there, no, something there, most there's, people want to do. There's plants there. No, it's not happening. Yeah. It's a good, and, that's a, and you that's can't a make that sudden left-hand turn because you saw a parking lot space no, on the other side of the road. Right. You've yeah, got to go up to the roundabout and come back and hope it's still vacant. But it is safer, and it has improved the southbound traffic because not only uh, uh, have we done that? But we've created now two permanent southbound lanes in Uptown. Now that happens to be a place where we actually own the road in Uptown, and it's not owned by the state. But it's just a little section there in Uptown and down to the to the Y. That uh, so that's where there's been a most improvement is where you actually have control. Exactly. Of exactly. What about the charges that you increasing the fluidity coming down? In south into town mm-hmm. that it's made things worse heading north. Well, I don't know that it's made things worse, but it hasn't helped. And so, and so, and we've always had problems both ways. Now we have a problem. We're working on that now, and we can make some improvements. But because Sedona grew up when we weren't incorporated, mm-hmm. there was already a lot of businesses here. There were there were facilities, there were utilities, things like that that. And so the only utility we control is the sewer system and and 
we don't control trash or anything else, electricity, water. That's another thing. Water companies in the Verde Valley are... The other cities in the Verde Valley have bought water companies. We we don't own ours, and it, it's not going to happen anytime soon. It's Arizona Water Company is the predominant one. There's another small Oak Creek Water Company, but it's a small one. And so we don't control water uh, in this in this town where other cities do. And various cities have, some of them have their own fire departments, and some of them have their own airports. Cottonwood has an airport. They also have their own fire department. So when you try to compare budgets, it's not a good fit because we all are paying for different kinds of things. But, but in any case, it's just it's it's difficult to talk about these things and and do work uh, now, as you say, in Uptown where we own the road. We were able to make those improvements much easier, and that's what we've done. But for somebody who goes to Uptown at least twice a week at a lot of different times. Um, I go sometimes around 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock, and I sometimes go around uh, uh, noon. Um, there's been a big improvement in Uptown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there hasn't been a big improvement coming up from the south, coming up no. from Phoenix. No. On 179, we have yes. lots of problems, and, and it, I don't see that. You know, I, When I first got elected, I remember talking about we're not going to solve our traffic problems. It's just a, the way the infrastructure is with the state highways being the only access uh, we can't control it totally and we're limited on we can't really build more roads except as you t- as we talked about earlier uh, something in the county uh, so even if we did that frankly and the other one we hear is oh you should pave Schnebley Hill Road now Schnebley Hill Road would come out right at the worst pinch point we have traffic congestion wise in Talakapaki so that was another thing that one of the Mayor candidates said that uh, we should do is an underpass at Talak. She, she'd like to look at an underpass at Talakapaki. We have not only looked at it, we've designed it. And when we can negotiate with the property owners there in the highway. And yeah, that's already highway, on the drawing board. We, we, some, we have some date, every hopefully expectation soon, yeah. to yeah. build it. But so, so this is one of those things that, oh, well, we should look at it. No, we're already doing it. And it seems to be another one of these areas when they first built Tulakapaki North mm-hmm. and people talked about yeah. this and somebody said, well, the city should just require Tulakapaki to pay for an underpass yeah. or an overpass yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. And it came up that the city doesn't have that authority. No. You yeah. know, that, that was something the city didn't have the legal authority to tell the property owner, no. you, must, you must pay for. So we're back to having... You know, the, yeah. to negotiate so, and get all the uh, all the uh, agencies having to do with roads involved. I'm sure that involves yeah. ADOT and the county and the city yeah, and everyone yeah. oh, in doing that. It's always multi-agency, and but we always work multi-agency. Yeah. And so now we're getting criticized lately because we about par- not having parking lots uh, on outside of town so that people could park and ride the the shuttle. <laughs> the newly <laughs> newly uh, uh, initiated. <laughs> trailhead shuttle which is only the first step in a total transit plan that's yet to come i went to some people think well that's it (laughs) i went to uh, sedona forum back in 1990 when that was the topic yeah and we talked about how nice it would be to have park and ride and shuttle systems like they have at the grand canyon and and have electric buses pick people up in the village of oak creek or out by the sewage plant and i don't know if the sewage plant exists anymore how is the it just how is the current uh situation done, the, the stuff that you've done now and ferrying people around the trailheads, how has it worked out? Are people using it? Or? Yes, people are using it. It's really quite robust in terms of ridership, but it's easier some places than others, and again, we get criticized on both sides of this. 
the Dry Creek Road uh, parking uh, parking on Dry Creek Road because it's people park along the road out there and we're, we haven't closed parking lots. Where it works the best is where we've closed the parking lots at Cathedral Trailhead. And that made a huge difference to that neighborhood. Now we're getting criticized because the other neighborhoods say, well, they're, now they're in my neighborhood instead. But but the fact is that we get great ridership there and at Soldiers Pass. Those two are working great. We're working on trying to increase ridership out to the Dry Creek area. But, we're again, we're limited because we can't tell people they can't park on Dry Creek Road. It's outside our limits, our city limits. I talked to somebody in the Forest Service who's not in a position to make these decisions. And he said, well, we're the Forest Service. So you guys have bouldered one side of the road for quite a ways. And yeah, she said, we, and well, we, we're using that as as uh, overflow. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to close it because it would close close overflow. And I said, but well, those, we, even the parking lots out there are not closed. So, you know, and that's what makes Soldiers Pass and and uh, the Cathedral Trailhead especially because there's a couple of parking lots out by Cathedral. And people were parking all over the road there. It was overflow parking there. Now, now it's not available anymore. So, so that's why that one's working well, and the and the Dry Creek one isn't. And we're trying to increase ridership out there and incentivize and that kind of thing. So it's working well. But we, what people don't, another thing we get accused of. Like I say, we have acquired property by the high school in front of the high school to build a parking lot on the edge of town. We haven't built it yet. Things don't happen overnight. We're looking for more parking out on 179 to make that part of the system work better. And then we haven't even begun, really, instituting our regular shuttle system for the whole city. And so it's going to all have to be in place, and that will take probably five years before we get it in place. We are aiming for all-electric buses and have talked about that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that's another idea that's coming up. Oh, well, we should have all of the ones we have now are hybrids. We do plan to have eventually all electric, but the infrastructure has to be in place for that, and it's it's not yet. And there are supply chain issues on the vehicles, and that we already ran into that. And we're going to have microtransit probably late fall. We'll have some microtransit available. It won't be absolutely citywide, but it will be covering a lot. And of that's areas. what it's aimed at getting people from their hotels out to a trailhead. And, and from homes and Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. But to, yeah, from yeah. Center, places where a lot of people are staying yeah. out to a trailhead so, so multiple so people can leave it, their cars it, in one place. It's an on-demand yeah. service. Yeah. So so you could call if you're staying in yes. an Airbnb and yes. tra- you know, they yes. come and pick you up and take you to the right. trailhead. So, so that's what, we need those kinds of things to make a transit system really work. So, so when but people say you're not doing anything at all, I mean, what are they even talking about? What 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 has the city done the last two years or four years? Well, of course, the the biggest initiatives have probably been the climate action plan. I mean, let's face it, this is a crisis, folks. A lot of people still don't acknowledge that, but it is. And so we're doing what we can in that area. And again, it will take a while to implement the things. Transit is definitely a major part of that. Get people out of their cars and get them to leave their cars at home or at their hotel or their wherever they're staying. Uh, that's a big part of it. And then there's a lot involved in the greenhouse gases given off by buildings, facilities. But but it's it's a combination of all those things. So climate action plan is a major thing we've done. The sustainable tourism plan is another major uh, uh, step in the right direction. And again, related to greenhouse gases and climate change. And we also did a major housing study, and of course we, we know. We knew before we did it we had a problem. 
And But we've done that, and we have an action plan that comes out of that. And you've hired a, with the city of Cottonwood, a high, uh, for the title, a housing coordinator. Yes, we've something hired to look, at, we, to look for those public project, public-private private partnerships. That if we want to really make yeah. progress in an area, we need a staff member to lead it. Yeah. And so we've got a, uh, we're sharing with Cottonwood right now, but eventually I hope it'll yeah. be a full-time housing person on staff. And they are looking at projects, again, one of whom is being suggested by a candidate, that we look at ways to incentivize people who have turned their homes or a home that, a home they own into a short-term rental or an air vacation rental, I like to call them, yeah. uh, to turn it back into a rental for a long-term person so that we can house some of the employees that we yeah. have in the city. So it's a difficult issue. And part of the problem in Sedona is always has always been the price of land is so high here that it's impossible mm-hmm. to subsidize housing. The city and never the, had a lot of land of its own. No, and but even if we did, the gift clause is another state law that stops us from uh, doing a lot. We can't we can't give it away. We can't give land away. We can't say, here, we own this land. You can build on it, and we won't charge you for it. We can't do that. The gift clause stops us. And then there's a bill that passed about the same time as the uh, ban on bans of short-term rentals passed in 2016 called 1487, and that said no city can make a law that's against state law. Well, <laughs> if the state has a law about it, then we can't make a law against it. So it's really hindered us in what we can do, and that's I, if I had my choice, I'd get rid of that. And I, I, I don't know that reversing 1350 that gave us short-term rentals is is critical. It's more, it's the whole house rentals. It's not share. It's not the actual sharing economy as it was sold as to sharing your your own home. It's sharing a second home or a third yeah, so home. It's that buying you own. a home for an investment. Mm-hmm. But they're building, uh, buying they're it for the purpose of short term. Yeah, rental they're, they're coming in and paying cash for for houses. They're building. A, I mean, I've seen this too. An awful lot of the homes are built are owned by corporations now, and the best uh, way you to know, make that, money that, is that's that's not so is, true. That's not tr- really? so true. No, it's it's thirty to forty percent of them are owned by by Arizonans uh, by Sedonans. 30, about a, it's about a third, a third, a third. They're owned by Sedonans, Arizonans, and then out of state. And all of the out of state are not corporations. But, There's but some individual investors. They're, There's they, some they were houses per, purchased for the purpose of becoming exactly. a short-term rental exactly. as opposed yeah, to exactly. becoming yeah, a single-family retirement what we're home. Seeing. I mean, yeah. we're, we're going to yeah. see it in my neighborhood yeah. yes. even. Yeah. And, and the most recent trend across the nation, I'm not sure it's hit, hit us yet, is that big companies are buying out houses Regular single-family homes to rent mm. to people, so yeah. that first-time home buyers are being because they can come in and pay cash, and a first-time home buyer massive amount of that in Phoenix, certainly in the yeah. Phoenix yeah. area, and yeah. and I think it's becoming defined. Drives thing. up rents. You know, yeah. it, it, one of the it, ways to make money. Home ownership, whereas before most that was what everybody wanted was to own their own home, and they're, they're setting up these legal entities to buy rent. houses all over yes. the country, yes. and they don't really care where they are if they can get as long as they can get a property management person who can keep an eye on them and as long as there's the a, a demand for rentals they don't yeah. really care what the so price they're, is or they're what, doing it um, what it's doing to the communities because they don't live there <laughs> certainly in the 20 years i've been here the number of local people working in sedona has been going down mm-hmm. as a percentage mm-hmm. and they're when I moved here, there was housing, particularly for the men and women that I worked who were single, who didn't mm-hmm. have a partner, and they could live in Sedona. 
all that housing is pretty much gone, been it's, converted it's, to, to condos or short-term yeah, we rentals don't, We or don't something. have a lot. Here's the thing. The other thing that's long-term we've always had, very few residences in Sedona are apartments. So our yeah. housing stock is about 4% multiple family or mm-hmm. apartments. And statewide or nationwide, it's usually more like 20, 20 25 percent. Yeah, until that, what, Pinion Lofts there? I mean, so that was the Pinion first Lofts. apartment building built yeah. in 30 plus years. Yes, Before yes. every apartment building in Sedona, other ones that were, whether they're now, some are now condos, but were built as a, mm-hmm. were all built in the 1970s. Yeah. No yeah, one in the 80s yeah. or 90s or 2000s built a single and apartment so, building. And then they say, well, the city needs to build more affordable housing. Well, we can't build it ourselves because. We're just not, you know, we don't have the capacity to do that. We do partner with private developers. We're working on one now that is on 89A in West Sedona and Sunset Lofts, and it will be about 46 units. But 46 units, we need 1,500, by the way. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not much, but it's, it's, it's difficult to do, again, because of the gift clause. Uh, we can't just take the land out of the equation. We're, we made a long-term loan in this case. See, a, a lot of places, and I have a friend who did this in, in Albuquerque, um, land becomes available, so he's basically building his affordable housing on free land. Maybe it's abandoned uh, railroad track land or whatever it is. He has free land to build housing on, and that makes it much, much easier to build affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's done done a beautiful job of it. Um, he's retired recently. Um is there anything you can do about the state highway 179 coming into Sedona to improve the situation there? Can you, the city doesn't own it until it gets right into the middle of Sedona practically. No, first, we don't uh, and they don't own one, anything on 179. That's we, it's on 89A that we own, and it's only a tiny piece. So, so no, we're not going to own it. I mean, we kind of missed our chance several years ago. But frankly, even if we'd gotten to four-lane the whole thing, at the, when it got to Tlacopaki, there would be that go? same ch- choke point that we have now because the businesses are built right along the road there, and we can't take property. And, and the businesses those, didn't want the, the road widened because it would take their parking lots, and that business is a big <laughs> yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you, you build a four-lane road, and to, to build the four-lane road, you have to destroy some of the things that people are coming to Sedona to yeah, see yeah. or use or participate in. Yeah, you know, to, yeah I've never been sure about the four-lane r- road just because what you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good idea. But it would, it just seemed to me that everybody would arrive sooner at a choke point. That, that's, in, right, in that's right, that's <laughs> right. Uh, so, Sandy, we've only got a couple of uh, um, minutes left. Do you want to sum up what, what do you think is central to your campaign and why should folks uh, uh, vote for you? Because according to this candidate, any the only qualification yeah. needed is that you're not on the city council to be a good Well, uh, you know, of course, I've been here 50 years. I know the area well, and I've been on uh, the mayor for eight or almost eight years now. And and in that time, I've managed to build a lot of good relationships, not just in the Verde Valley with the local leadership, but across the state. I'm on the executive committee of the League of Arizona Cities and Towns. It allows me access to the other a lot of other mayors across the state. And, and we can talk about the issues we have. There's a big difference between rural and urban issues in Arizona. And so being a rural area, even with the, and the number of visitors we have, <laughs> it varies from time to time. So I have those relationship built. I'm viewed as a leader 
in the Verde Valley and even at the state level. I talk so much about vacation rentals to the League of Arizona <laughs> cities and towns. They're tired of hearing We it, need so. to thank our, our supporters, Sandy. We want to thank the Democrats of the Red Rock yes, for their support. Yes, thank they you. have the golf outing it's still open so if you do want to do i know it may say on the website i haven't seen whether they've updated that it's closed but it it, uh, if you do want to go golfing 90 dollars and you get breakfast eight holes i mean it's a really good deal as well as a really good uh, thing for for democrats of the red rock we want to thank the yavapai democratic party yavapai democratic party has been generous to us for years and and never asked for anything really thanks to you for having me on today (laughs) i appreciate you coming uh this and all our other podcasts uh will be on our website vvid.org and also on our facebook page you've been listening to democratic perspective brought to you by the verde valley independent democrats a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the verde valley sedona northern arizona and our nation at large catch us every monday morning after the 8 a.m news right here on am 780 kazm it's beautiful out there folks have a great day